0: Hello and welcome to Three at the Back, the podcast from Optipro. I'm Ryan By, and I'll be your host for this somewhat unique episode as we have literally just completed our first Optipro German conference. I'm joined today by head of Optipro, Ben McCrill, and our German lead, Philip Obloch. Ben, nice to see you. Thank you for, uh, for joining us on the episode. No problem. It's been a good day. Indeed, very much so. And Philip, welcome to your first, uh, your first experience at Three at the Back. Thank you. Good to be here. It's quite
1: a good one to have three at the back after watching England-Germany. On,
0: uh, on. Indeed, indeed. So. Oh, who's taking out Chris Smallingville out of the three? Um,
1: yeah, I think I'll go with
0: Michael Keane. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly biased there. Yeah, definitely. So we, we've just finished our first, first ever conference in Germany. Um, yeah, re- really exciting for us. We had a range of analysts and recruitment staff at the event today. Uh, a host of speakers talking about areas across the match analysis cycle, Recruitment, the implementation of advanced, more advanced analytics uh, within football, and um, how different competitions and cultures use data, how they interact with coaches, and so on. So, we're just going to start by talking a bit about a bit about the conference and um, how how different co- different presentations resonated with the with the audience, and then we're going to go on to talk a bit about about Philip's background about. About teams in in Germany generally and how they use data. So to start with, we had the um we had Andy Blake and Peter Clark from Leicester City speak about their match analysis cycle and how they prepare for teams. So um, yeah, how did how did you guys find that?
1: Yeah, I thought it was really good. I mean, you know, obviously huge storylines around Leicester for the last eighteen months or so, and those guys. You know, we worked really closely with those guys for a number of years. Um, I mean, Andy's been there eight years, I think, which I I didn't realise how long he'd been at the club. So. Um, and Peter 5 so I think in terms of their longevity uh, in those roles and certainly going through the whole cycle of what Leicester have been through over the last couple of years um, they've been you know right in the middle of it Uh, and I think that really came across yesterday I thought they talked a lot about um, the development of their processes um, and the fact that you know different managers going through you know championship football to fighting relegation to winning the title to champions league how in that very short space of time they've had to really develop their processes and look forward and, and try and uh, develop new ideas so what i really appreciated for their, from those guys the fact they talked so openly about not only what they're doing now but what they're trying to do and that they're really still constantly developing and trying to think of new things so I think that was a really a really great way to start the day.
0: Yeah, I think the um the use of actual real life examples that they they brought in was was really helpful and really really made a difference to the audience. They um showing those examples, Philip, how do you think the um the audience took to that?
2: Um I think it's for it's especially for the analysts it's been the most interesting uh presentation right at the beginning because um well, they really appreciated it. it's been so so open and uh it uh they, they could adopt some of these things to their work. So um we realized we had plenty of questions after the presentation and had to stop finally because we were running out of time that already showed they were very really interested in that in that theme and um well I think some of them could, could really take some points home and, and adopt it to their work. So that was a very, very good kick off for the event. I thought the um you yeah, know what
1: was interesting was they obviously talked about their, their phases of play, uh, and that's a very kind of common European theme. I mean, I think the guy said that you know that came from uh, a coach they have that's done some work in Holland, and um, and I you know I was kind of thinking whether that's a very similar thing in Germany, whether they have those very
2: set you know phases of the game. Yeah, it's the same in Germany, so everybody could could find themselves again, and the, when they talked about the build-up of the play and all these these things in, in attacking and defending, so um, it was a good intro because um, people thought, okay, we're not that far behind, we know these things, yeah, yeah. which was good, and then they talked about how using data to, to make it more easy or more, more quick to um, get the right information, and that was probably really helpful, because uh, what, time pressure is this almost the same, not exactly the same in Germany because we don't have that many games um, as, as you guys have in the UK, but um, on the other hand, the teams are not that big. So time pressure is is always there, and um, if you can make things quicker, beca- quicker because of, of some data you use, this is really helpful. That was, a, yeah, I mean, I thought that was a really good point the guys made actually
1: was that they were saying that, you know, historically they've used a lot of scouting information, they, they've used a lot of video, but actually with Champions League games now and and those types of things they've they've had to use data to to speed up their processes and and get to things quicker um, and like you said it, it maybe it's a more efficient way of
2: doing their processes and, and hopefully that's something that the German guys took away and and you know how how coaches are so if you you prepare on the last three four five games and you watch them and you discuss all the things and during during the meeting with the coach, he said, yeah, but when they played uh, against the three, five, two, eight weeks ago, how did it work there? And then you have to watch the whole game or you find some information out of the data and say, okay, here it is, um, could be interesting for us to to take a deeper deeper look.
0: I think that's a really underappreciated aspect and challenge that analysts face, the time. Yeah. Especially when you've got two games a week for nine, ten months a year. It's, there's not enough time to do some of the work, so they've really got to look for... Not shortcuts, but ways that they can get to the solution quicker.
1: No, definitely, and and you know that that fed quite nicely into Jason's presentation because Jason is a was a one man band for for a, you know a good probably season and a half.
0: So, um, so sorry, Jason. Um, Reading FC came in uh, head of opposition analysis now, and, and um, has done a range of different roles at the club. Um, I think. He's worked with a range of different people, so he spoke about how he does the opposition scouting and that side of things.
1: Yeah, so I mean, Jason um, is a is a really interesting case where he came from being an assistant first team analyst when, when, I, when I, I was at the club, actually, when I came in um, in 2012. And then he moved into head of first team analysis while we were there, and he's gone through the complete range, and, and he's actually very recently been named head of recruitment and and head of analysis, so, you know, he's gone through the, the complete cycle, but certainly for a good period of time, uh, due to limited resources at the club, you know, financial situation, uh, he was the only guy, so, we, you know, we're talking about efficient processes and that kind of thing, he's a, a great example, I think he really put that across, of how, how he needed to turn things around quickly, and, and I think he said, you know, they probably have 55, 60 games a season. Which, for German clubs, is <laughs> that's a lot of games. <laughs> you, you have, have to reach game. any final, you have to make it to that amount. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that was that was interesting because it probably relates closer to what a lot of the German clubs have in terms of one guy doing the analysis and then maybe um, you know not having a big team of people. Not that Leicester
2: have a huge team, but you know certainly. Yes, yeah, exactly. We in Germany there are several clubs having having one analyst um, or even one analyst doing this two or three days the weekend, and then the rest of the week he has to do some video scouting. So um, we, the the staff is not that big, and um, this is even in the in the Bundesliga. So I talked to the to the assistant manager from FC Freiburg, and um, well, all of the opponent analyzers come from him. So he he does it, and um, and he's on the pitch all the time uh, coaching. Coaching the team, so um, this is of course really helpful to know how a one-man show like this can can work. Um, although teams like Freiburg, for example, um, aren't that much into data yet, but um, he as well. He also said, "Well, we know we have to improve in this to to go with the time, to um, yeah, to stay in the Bundesliga at the end of the yeah. of the day." Yeah, I mean, you know, Freiburg are probably a good example of that <coughs> club.
1: Who have spent some time in Bundesliga too, as well, and and, and have had gone up and down. And spent some time in Europe a couple of seasons ago. So, you know, they're a club that's had to fluctuate a lot between their situations, and, and I think um, that's always reflected in budget and resources and people. Um, so that's always the challenge. And, and Reading very similar. You know, they had time in the Premier League. They've had time fighting for the playoffs. They had a you know a poor season last season, um, but then now back in the playoff race. So fluctuations of results and performances often have an impact on resources which mean can they focus their time on data and and those kind of things and often unfortunately data can be one of the things that gets dropped off uh, as as being a low priority because of because of other things but you know we're obviously a bit biased but we think that actually data is the opposite it's it's the thing that you could invest in because it can help you to you know, stay close to your rivals and, and maybe compete with
2: bigger teams. Yeah, and I think I think Freiburg is a good example because um, they are not one of the teams that change their mind so quick. So that if they if they start using using data, it takes a longer time, a longer career to get there. Um, but they don't change their mind in the next year again because the the team stays the same. Even if they get relegated, um, they go their way. So. Um, if teams like Augsburg, Freiburg get there to, to use to use more data and to to allow having data influence on their on their performance, this is a good sign that the Bundesliga steps forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think with Jason, it's a case of
1: um, showing that. I mean, he talked about a lot about the kind of need to do live scouting as an analyst as well, and that's certainly something that, that Jason has done a, a lot of. Uh, which is why he's now moved into a recruitment role and, and is now head of recruitment because he's done a lot of hours in stadiums, but he talked about the live coding process and, and that kind of thing. So I think you know that's someone who's shifting probably more towards the kind of uh, live aspect, but is still using data and is still trying to apply that every day. So
0: yeah, I think with with Jason, one of the feedbacks that came in quite a lot was. A lot of teams, particularly from the Netherlands as well, where we don't have the budget of the teams in the Premier League. So what's next? What solutions are available? And Jason and Reading hit that nail on the head in terms of this is a small team, this is just me. Here's how I approach it. I thought that, that really, really worked nicely. So after we, um, after we had Jason and Andy and Peter, we went on to the recruitment side of things. So first up we had... Rory Campbell of West Ham giving quite an overarching top-down approach of, of his thoughts on where anal- analytics can be best used within that recruitment process.
1: And I think Rory, Rory focused a lot on the structure uh, and the process that goes in a club. And I think he, he talked a lot about the difference between a, an efficient process of recruitment and data and, and uh, within Scouting and an inefficient process. And I think he had some really interesting ideas. He mentioned a couple of times and I, and I think it came out in one of the questions that you know, was that the typical approach in England in terms of the the process of how do you get from doing data analysis to going and live scouting to then having to deal with agents? And and he was talking more about the fact that it's agents, then a reaction to do some analysis, then back to the agents, the manager, and then the the signing happens. And and I think the German audience maybe were a little bit surprised by that. And, 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 you know, we, we joke a lot about the fact that you know, German clubs make transfers in February and March before the Premier League clubs have even thought about it, so yeah, I don't know when that, it seemed
2: like there was a bit of a surprise
1: that maybe that was the process in the UK.
2: Yeah, probably because um, people in Germany can't believe that uh, if you have so much resources and so much money and from coming from the German side, it is a lot of money, they can't understand that it seems a little bit I don't want to say unprofessional, but yeah, maybe so agent-driven. And uh, we have we have smaller clubs in Germany, and they say, yeah, thank you. That's like this in our in our world. Um, so it's not that far away. And we had some Austrian clubs there, he Said, yeah, that's how it is. Yeah. We don't have the time to to figure out all these things before. We need to need to rely on the um, recommendation of the agent. But I think that's that's the point. That's not true. No. That's that's the mistake. Um if if you don't have big resources and of course you don't have so much time, time is the the problem as we said everywhere. So especially then you need to need to focus on your philosophy and find the right um KPIs to to search for players and then afterwards contact the agent and but yeah, yeah that should be the way and I think most Bundesliga clubs work it out that way, but um there are still surprisingly many clubs waiting for the agent to yeah. come so
0: yeah i think rory gave a really nice and clear message of how objectives from the top of a club filter down right through the club and that involves the recruitment side of that i thought that was that was really clear and a key point of rory's presentation yeah
1: definitely and i think with um, you know with bundesliga clubs i think they've they've obviously on the whole, and this is a bit of a generalisation, but I think on the whole they have a very structured approach to their to their workflows. And what's interesting is that their kind of workflow is there. The bit that's missing in in some cases is that data part, is the the you know due diligence, the statistical profiling, that kind of work that you know we're, we're helping clubs do. And we've seen a lot of a lot more of that in the last year or so in, in the Bundesliga clubs. But it's good. It's it's almost better in, in Germany because they have. The right process there you just need to fit the data in um whereas in the uk with with you know we have a lot more resources, as you said and we have a lot more clubs doing data analysis but maybe the the analysis process isn't in the right place within that process um, so i think that's something that you know
2: is, is different between the two countries yeah I, I i like i like rory and i like the presentation quite much but the feedback was afterwards as well there was a lot about the structure Um, And I think people would as well have been interested, okay, how exactly can we implement the the data to to show our strategy and to figure out the right players to go very much into detail? We had a lot of presentations that were very much into detail with with the data, Um, and I think in this case we may have been, um, or there were questions to go more into detail. So if we had... Had more time, we could have made a big discussion with Rory, yeah. um, one hour to to find out how do we implement the data to find out uh, players that fit to our philosophy. Yes. I think that's right, I and mean, I think Rory, Rory was one of those presentations
1: where we probably could have done with another half an hour of exactly. conversation because he brought up so many good questions, um, and I think you know, Rory comes from a very interesting background, and, and uh, you know. Not your typical analyst background, you know, betting world, and, and that kind of thing. And I think he has a very different approach, maybe, to, to a lot of clubs, and has a very interesting uh, ideas around that. So I think, yeah, it, it would have been great to maybe have another half an hour or so with with Rory. Yeah, I
0: think if Rory had a blank slate at a football club, I think that would be really interesting to see how he'd approach that and how he'd how he'd <laughs> take that one. I think that would be, be incredible to see. So. After Rory, we had, uh, we had Steve Head that spoke, spoke about his experiences in the game, spoke about the different clubs he's worked at. I think he's got over, over 30 years' experience across coaching, analysis and recruitment roles and perhaps giving an insight that a lot of the room might not have had before. It was a relatively young room. Um, the impression we got was clubs are a lot more stable. The um, analysts seem to be in clubs for a, lot, for a longer period of time. And Steve was speaking about the other side and how it's been for him and how different roles have changed and, and just an insight that they wouldn't have had before.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think Steve... Did fit in perfectly, especially at this slot, because uh, he, he made something completely different in his presentation. So he made, made everyone stand up at the beginning of his presentation and shout out uh, Lukas Podolski's uh, last game and his name. So um, that was a good, good start. And then afterwards, yeah, exactly. He, he, he showed that, uh, how, you, how you have to handle um, the manager and how you have to handle the, the owners of the club and um, that you at some point have to give them what they want and even if you don't think it's the perfect decision so this was was very interesting and it showed some some differences between the german league and the premier league because um well we don't have we don't have owners we it's it's the club here and it's it's the manager but we don't have owners that that want to earn earn money with the club um so this was just, uh, just a half uh, for some, just big car companies instead. <laughs> 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 yeah. really good work, they, football they, team. <laughs> yeah, but they try to get, uh, generate their revenue on a different way. Yeah,
1: exactly. Now, I mean, t- you know, Steve's been on this podcast before, and, um, and we had uh, a good chat with him a, a few months ago. Uh, he certainly brought some entertainment value to the to the room, Absolutely. and I think it, it certainly. Um, Shook up the room a little bit and, and, and that was great. Yeah, I mean, obviously Steve's got a lot of experience with a lot of clubs and I think his very honest reflection of, of the realities of the game um, and you know, the places that uh, he's been and the situations he's, he's been in and the conversations he has to have on a regular basis, I think, uh, was, was really good to hear. And, uh, and as you said, you know, maybe a very different uh, perspective in, in the UK to what maybe the German clubs face. Um, and I think that's certainly uh, it's, it was certainly a great way to to kind of round off those four, first four presentations before lunch.
0: Yeah, I think Steve did a really good job of showing how in an analysis role you can manage upwards, how you speak to those people senior at the same time, manage your own team and showed a really good balance there. So we're going to take a quick break now and then we're going to come back and speak about the second half of the day and um, Philip's experience both in analysis and the coaching side of things. Welcome back to Three at the Back. So, we've been speaking about our, our first conference, and uh, after our recruitment session, we had, we had a panel, which was something we, we chatted about a bit internally whether it was something we were, we were going to do, whether, how we wanted to play it, how we can get the most out of a panel discussion, essentially, how the audience can really benefit. So, um, we decided to really focus on how data is used, interpreted differently in not only different competitions, but in different cultures. So, we had Andy Blake. Steve Head, both uh, presented earlier in the day, and they were joined by Max Reckers, uh, currently of IX but formerly of Manchester United, by Munich, done a lot of work with Louis van Gaal. And we also had uh, Sven Mislintart, who I'm sure Philip's going to tell me I've pronounced his name slightly wrong, but I think I've done okay there, of uh, Borussia Dortmund, with, with a huge range of experience in that club. So that was really interesting and something we don't see a huge amount of or get to see a huge amount of, and I think that was, um, yeah, I think a really interesting 60-minute discussion. Yeah, definitely. I,
1: I, the whole idea of the event is- you know, you know, we ha- we started talking about this event a year ago, I think, um, and the whole idea was that we wanted to have some cross learning opportunities. We wanted to um, bring German clubs in. We had, uh, as we've said, we had some some Dutch clubs, some Austrian clubs there yesterday, um, as well as the English guys. And I think it was a great opportunity to hear the similar challenges that clubs have got in different markets, but also um, that you know there is some there's some real range in there. And, uh, I certainly thought Max and, and, and Sven kind of brought that to the group alongside what Andy and, and Steve had already been talking about during the day.
2: Yeah, I think, well, maybe to say before, we had the, the question to, to answer, how do we get this during, with the language managed? Because we had a, a German-speaking host, we had a German-speaking guest on the panel, we had a Dutch guy there, we had two English guys there, so we, we um, engaged in translation company to have it probably for everyone to understand everything. Which which was interesting to to have all of them on one stage and uh, yeah I think it's it's been really interesting to to have some cross learnings and to to have Swen there having a good good overview about the German market and he's he's uh, given a lot of feedback because he well he's so much in that theme and he's. Uh, thought so many so many thoughts about about this and uh, it's always very very good to to discuss things with with Sven and of course Max had great stories from his from his hard time and um, well again we were running out of time that shows yeah we, we was been, it's been very interesting and we could have done probably another hour with with those four guys.
0: Yeah, I think some of the some of the ideas they presented, just some that had made it right through, some that perhaps didn't get as didn't go as far as perhaps they initially thought, but some of the just the innovation that came from those guys, I think, was really interesting. Like always trying different things, looking at new ways to approach those problems. Yeah, I mean,
1: we, I could never have imagined that those four guys sat on stage, not because of who they were, but because of the context of the conversation that we ended up started talking about um, virtual reality and uh, different ways of using video and, and uh, fixed cameras uh, versus uh, maybe sort of drone technology maybe things like that that started to come into the conversation and that was fascinating to have Dortmund, uh, Ajax, um, Leicester City and Steve currently at Charlton you know a huge range of clubs there all kind of talking about how this can be applied in different ways and, and we have you know Charlton who will currently League one club and you know but still using video with the players and in, engaging with that and then we had you know max talking about using virtual reality with players and, and and that kind of thing and you know from the coaching side of things i thought it was interesting because uh they were talking about how um, you prepare for an opposition uh, and it, the sort of data approach to that but then it, it got onto a conversation around you know max talked about how ryan giggs was Charged with setting up the opposition team on a Friday against the Manchester United team to play in the way that uh, they were going to face, and, and that
2: became a very interesting discussion as well. Yeah, and, and they they showed that uh, the, the the knowledge they bring to the to the club, for example, like like Van Hall and, and Ritters, bring it to, to brought to Bayern Munich, always has to stay in the club at the end of of the day. So even if they move on, those two two guys with the team. Um, People like, I don't Michael Niemeyer from Bayern Munich have to, have to keep the knowledge inside the club and that's what, what um, Sven underlined as well, they say, okay, of course the, the coaching team has his own ideas and they are the kind of inner circle, but at the end they have to open a little bit to the, to the knowledge that comes from the club and that has to stay at the club, so um, there has to be a good interaction and, um, well, they sh- show that it's difficult to have this, um, obviously, but it, that it's necessary. And, and at the end, I think it's been very interesting that we agreed to that, that um, the combination of positional data and uh, eventing data will be one of the next steps to have better analysis, better scouting results, and uh, it's been, been interesting. We had the question um, if they would at the end possibly even share positional data between each other if it's allowed, and they all agreed, yes, we would do because it would made a made a step forward for the whole league, for the whole football, for the whole analysis, um, and we shouldn't shouldn't look too much to our own advantage, and we could imagine sharing this data. I yep. would not have expected that. No, no, that was an interesting conversation.
0: Yeah, and I think the, the tracking data reference um, puts us in nicely for the next presentation delivered from um, from our partners in Germany, the uh, Institute for Fußball Management. I think I've got that that right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Excellent and. And they delivered a case study that, that combined event and tracking data and I think that was, that was one you were really looking forward to, wasn't it Ben?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, um, I'd met uh, Alex you know, a few months ago, yeah. and we <laughs> again when we were sort of planning this event and they've done all the work with the DFB and the, and the, the Bundesliga, the, the DFL yeah. and yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about on this podcast a few times about this kind of next frontier of data and that a lot of people are really trying to push for event and tracking data. There's a lot of challenges with tracking data. I think everybody, you know, a lot of people listening to this will, will be aware of those challenges. Certainly if you try to put a proposal in for the forum, you know, trying to use both sets of data is a real challenge. But those guys have come up with some really interesting things. And, and the thing that, again, we've talked about on this podcast before and, and certainly we talk a lot about it at pro, is how you can make it relevant to tactics and pressing and, and those types of things. And that was a, you know, probably the best thing about that presentation was how you could really uh, distinctly see the pressing styles of the Bundesliga teams uh, through that work.
2: Yeah, I think I think Alex Smalova and his team are, are quite forward-thinking in in this. Um, they come from a university background, so they they have to have to be forward-thinking in this, and that's why Alex um, will join um, RB Salzburg in future. So um, will be interesting how how they develop under under his uh, lead and uh, well I think it's been interesting that you've been able to to figure out different pressing styles and they could combine it with video so if you say okay I want I want an offensive pressing example from whatever Leipzig in a game against Dortmund four months ago they could could deliver it um, within seconds so you, you again if you sit together in a meeting with the coach and he said okay well, I remember they played it this way when they were against Dortmund. I wanted, I want to see how they how they um, pressed, and yeah, then you have it there within seconds. So um, that again can be very time saving and very beneficial. Yeah, I mean, Brian, we we obviously went to the
1: Sloan conference uh, a few weeks ago now, and I think one of our favorite presentations from from Sloan was the presentation around um, the sort of play recognition uh, in basketball from the tracking data. Um, and that they can use the tracking data to say when this play was run in basketball, I mean, how it was a pick and roll or a yeah. switch, and yeah, I want to ad- identify every time that happened. That was very similar. You know, you're applying the same kind of idea to football and, and saying, I want to see every time the right-back was pressed by the, the wide-left player and the central midfield player and they won the ball back in this area, um, or this team likes to sit off and win the ball back when it goes into midfield. Uh, the, you know, in more central area, the ability to do that for a coach and an analyst, and, and be able to identify those uh, styles of play and those types of pressing, is a huge step. Would be a huge step forward for coaches, and it shows the ability to what we were talking about before: being more efficient with your data use, to be more efficient in your processes. So. Yeah, I
0: think when that comes into play, um, that's going to hugely influence how we how we understand the game, how we interpret the game. How we see different positions and different actions and everything like that. I think that's going to be that's going to be huge. So uh, wrapping up the day, we had our very own Tom Warville and Sam Gregory, who delivered a uh, a case study on Hertha Berlin. Yeah, they 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 used a lot of different um, some more more raw, raw data, some more uh, advanced metrics. They they put together and they they really focused on not only just saying. Explaining what happened, of they had a low expected goal cycle, a high expected goals cycle. they they went beyond that and looked for for why and the how, and I think that that was a real step forward. I think in terms of how these how these metrics are used. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, I think expected goals is, is one of those things where it's been around for a while now. Uh, it's it's starting to be introduced into Germany probably more and more that yeah. more people are aware of what that is and how it can be used. But I think we're now starting to take expected goals to, to a new level in terms of how we apply it, how we understand it in a recruitment process. Yeah, I was speaking to some Premier League clubs uh, uh, a few days ago um, and you know Tom talked today about the, the expected goals per shot metric um, and how that can be used for assessing maybe players' decision making in, in how the quality of chances they're, they're getting, the quality of shots they're taking. Um, and... Now, I think that's a really interesting way of applying that data to um, to recruitment process, but also to analyzing your own players' performance, and, and that was something that the guys
2: talked about using Hertha as, as an example. Absolutely, and um, to describe the, the development the team does during the season, so um, when, when you look at expected goals per shot, um, I did take a look at this uh, some, some days ago and I, I saw that, for example, um, Herta had some issues with this in the current season, so they they um, were were better in this in the in the first leg of the season, and now they fell down a little bit, which which um, com- is is the same like they do on the table, so um, makes makes sense. And I think Tom and Sam were able to describe the way Herta plays quite quite good coming out of data um, and the Aha effect they had afterwards when they when they compared this to, to different leagues and to different clubs was was very big. So people the feedback was that people said, oh, that's a very interesting point to say, okay, um, the 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 way Hertra plays is similar to I don't know the clubs. I have to admit Villarreal or whatever Yeah Villarreal and Everton wasn't it? And yeah. Everton, yeah, from, from other leagues. So um, you can adapt this for your scouting and say, okay, if a, if a player works well playing for Villarreal, he could work well for playing for for Berlin, then. Um, or if he comes from a from another a pressing league, he could work in the pressing Bundesliga. So um, the scouts were very interested in that as well. So um, I think that was a was a very very good point we made at the end. And
0: I think again, with it was tangible examples throughout the entire day. Not only with Tom and Sam. But right from the beginning with Andy and Peter, it was real-life examples. These things have happened, are happening, and it's real life. It's not just theoretical, which I think made a huge impact for the audience.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the application layers that we try and put around this stuff is, is the most important thing. And, um, you know, we you come from a coaching background. We're going to talk in a minute about your, your coaching uh, side, obviously, my, my kind of experience in clubs. And, and it's all about how do you apply it, you know, We've got guys like Tom and Sam who, and, and Johannes who are creating, you know, really interesting metrics and new models, you know, the possession and sequences. Um, I think it's going to completely change some of the work that analysts can do because you can look at more styles of play and flow of possession and uh, build-up play and identifying these different areas of the game, which is what coaches want to talk about all the time. So I think we're starting to get to the point now where data is—we we can use data and speak coaches' languages.
2: Yeah, that's that's true, and I think that's what I've been talking to the to the Union Berlin guys uh, at the end of the of the day, and well, um, they said it's it's fascinating to see how many smart people work on all the questions we have, and they are so optimistic that all these questions will be solved during the next years. So um, they were really impressed. Um, well, h- how far things already are. So. Um, yeah, and we're challenging ourselves to do that every
1: day, aren't we? Here, I mean, we're trying to challenge the issues and the problems that uh, coaches face every day. And, and certainly, the conversations we have about coaching is, is a really important thing because it means we can then look back at the data and talk to it, certainly our data science team about how do we get the work that they're doing to be applicable to the coaching situations and solve those problems. So, I
0: think the, the coaching idea we touched on alongside the the thinking outside the box idea we've also touched on today leads us in quite nicely to, to talk a bit more about, about your background, Philip. So you're, you're a coach, aren't you? You're a qualified coach.
2: Yeah, I'm a licensed coach, yeah.
0: And does that background, does that change the way you speak about data with teams? Do you, do you understand where a coach is coming from, why a coach might accept an idea or reject an idea?
2: Yeah, absolutely, because um, I've, I've had the same. When I, when I started um, at OptoPro, Four and four and a half years ago, I was yeah okay. It's data. It's possibly interesting, but I'm the expert, and I know how tactic is, and I know how people behave, and don't don't tell me about this because of data. And uh, so I can I can understand that the coaches still think the same because they hadn't that much influence from from data and. Uh, So this this really helps to explain them. Yeah, I know you're right and you're you're the expert. But still, this can this can help you. We have this safe time or make better decisions at the end of the day. Um, It's it's not um, it's not the solution for everything, but it's it's one part that helps you to get better. And um, well, I think the the background is very helpful in this. So you're a data compiler. So you, you you came into into pro into a data
1: company and then you were well, I'm not sure about this this data thing but now obviously you're maybe a
2: little bit more <laughs> a but, bit more keen on. But that shows that in
0: general I'm open to new things. Exactly. This is very well, true. now this this so not only are you a qualified coach but you, you coach a, a team that plays Saturdays don't you? Yeah usually Saturday in this week it's Sundays. Huh? This week it's Sunday. Extra day for yeah. you. So, uh, tell us a bit about your team, because we, I know what I want to get on to. I know Ben wants to hear it as well. Tell us how, how your team approaches games.
2: Well, in general, um, we, we have completely different approaches. We are, from the league we play in, we are quite, quite tactical teams. So, um, this, is, this is difficult, because um, in, in League 6, 7 in, in Germany, if you, if you try to, to have a good idea and try to press, for example... Um, it's difficult because the players aren't aware of all the details and you only have two, maybe three training sessions per week. So it's, it's and you don't have video analysis and all the stuff. So it's tough to, to find the um, right approaches, they, they understand all the details you want. And on the other hand, um, a lot of, if you, if you want to press in the midfield, a lot of, of teams just kick the ball above. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's difficult. But, but in general, we are quite a
0: tactic team. Yeah. And and there are any any unique tactics for your team? <laughs> I, I know what you want to hear. <laughs> 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 well, we,
2: we, we had a different approach um, at the beginning of the season because um, we, had, we had a problem with the counter-pressing. The, the guys weren't awake enough and they weren't, weren't aggressive enough to, to win the ball back in the opponent's heart when they, when they lost it. So I thought about h- how to wake them up and how to make them more, more aggressive and, and decided, okay, well, we try to play without a goalkeeper so we had 11 11 uh, players on the pitch but no no goalie that's a little bit risky I admit but um, but um, it had some 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 running effects so um, when the guys lost lost the ball in the opponent's half they knew okay there's no goalkeeper in the goal so we should chase the ball and get it back quite soon before the opponent has three seconds time to, to shoot from 60 meters um, yeah well and, and it worked worked well and the first I think three times we tried that. We we scored ourselves within the first five minutes. Um, We weren't expected to to play this uh, for the whole half-time. It wasn't meant to be until we receive a goal or we shoot a goal or maybe five to seven minutes. That was the plan. But in the first three times, we we scored within this time. So it was quite interesting to see. um, And very interesting to see how the opponent behaves because they completely get confused. They don't know what to do. It's been fascinating.
1: I think uh, not sure whether we're going to see uh, Weidenfellow at Dortmund or, or maybe Minouly at, at Liverpool. Whether they'll be doing the same sort of thing, but you know, it, it's a fascinating conversation. And it's, uh, we talked about this a few months ago, <laughs> and uh, I we joke about it every time we talk now. But I think um, it it still comes back to a really interesting idea. It's, it's about you know changing perceptions of of the game and and trying to improve players' performance and you can do that in so many different ways. We've had a whole day today of talking about how data can be used to improve performance, how it can change the ideas of of what we do, can change recruitment processes, Um, but examples like that, although maybe very extreme, um, there was a point to it, there was a reason you did it and that can be based in data, that can be based in video um, or it can just be based, as in you know, in your situation where you don't have those resources, you're thinking outside the box. You know, I've got to get my team to, to change their mentality and their philosophy around a tactic that we want them to apply. Um, and so, how do we think differently about the game? And you know, we've talked a lot about this kind of idea of using data for myth busting. You know, there's all these things that we kind of believe is true about the sport, whether that's in football or we've certainly done some stuff in cricket around that, around things that. Everybody just believes truth is true and so we're gonna leave it at that and we're gonna to continue to do it that way. But that what we are trying to do, certainly with data, is to kind of uh display some of those myths and, and say this is
2: actually the way things are in reality, um, rather than just this perception we have of the game. So uh, well, I, I, I there's one one thing people always say, and I, I hear this every time, especially if you if you coach a team in the mid of Bavaria, people say, Well, don't do that. It's always been the way we we've, we do it currently, and I hate this yeah. because this slows you down. This um, doesn't make make any progress po- uh, possible. So um, as you said, think out of the box and try to to find solutions. If it if it doesn't work, well, okay, we we'll try the next way. But um, there is nothing that, that should be settled so much that you don't don't question it and don't try to to still improve it.
0: Uh, I agree with that and I think that's, uh, that's a really nice way to, to wrap up today's episode so um, Philip and Ben thank you very much for, for joining us Philip I hope you, you enjoyed your, uh, your first three at the back and uh, aren't too exhausted as well it has been quite a hectic day but I think we can, we can agree quite a, uh, a really insightful useful day and it'll be really interesting to see how how the German teams and Austrian and, and Dutch tides look to, to progress how they, how they work with data over the next next 12 months next two years I think that we, can, uh, we can agree that'll be a really interesting period now
1: yeah, definitely I think that's that's our hope now isn't it that you know we can go back to the German clubs over the next few months and and really start to develop these ideas and apply these these ideas uh, and, and support them in uh, in trying to
2: develop these data so that's certainly the plan for the next 12 months absolutely and I'm quite optimistic that will, that will work so um it was it was fun having the first um, of the pro conference in Germany yeah I hope we'll do it do it again it's quite quite soon and it was fun to be
0: here uh, this podcast and maybe we'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening.